Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. The One Team Unity Comp drops this Saturday, August 22nd. Super excited for that. New tracks from Sheer Force, Hangman, Despise, Envision, Out for Justice, MH Chaos, Lastra, Simulacra, Shackled, Choice to Make, Mourning, Restraining Order, Age of Apocalypse, Seed of Pain, and Youth Collapse. So make sure to check that out. Head over to From Within Records, Big Cartel. Make sure to pick up a copy of the CD or stream it wherever you listen to your music. On today's episode, we travel to Long Island. We managed to track down Joey Sheramonte. He plays in Soul Provider, Koyo, and Typecast. Three really, really awesome bands. And I encourage you to go check them out. I'm really big on Koyo right now. I've had Translucent on repeat, and it just never gets old. It, it blows my mind that it's 2020, and there's a band doing that kind of sound, which brings me back to like early drive through Records days, and just uh, just brings me joy. It, it's insane. I, I just love that song so much, and that whole record is just amazing front to back, and it's just awesome to hear a new band having an awesome sound. It was really fun to sit down and talk to Joey literally felt like we'd been friends for a really long time and that just blows my mind that two dudes from literally opposite sides of the country could sit down and just connect on so many different levels so i hope you guys really enjoy this conversation as much as i did so please without further ado welcome joey sheramonte to the show All right, and we're live. Welcome to the podcast, Joey. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm psyched to be on. Yeah, this is, I feel like this has been a long time coming because uh, you go back to where we first talked. It was uh, through email. And um, I don't know if you knew it at the time, but I figured, I was like, oh, this guy's, uh, you know, sounds like a really awesome dude involved in the scene, does some cool stuff. So I was like, all right, I kind of just like put it in my mind. I'm like, all right, I'm going to ask him to come on the podcast at some point in the future. Hopefully he's down. And sure enough, you were. And here we are today. Hell yeah, yeah! Thank you, man. I'm 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 psyched to be on. It's like it's like I said in that email. I there were definitely uh a couple like standout ones where I was you know I just happened to listen by chance. I was like, this is good stuff. So I'm you know psyched to now down the line be doing it. It's uh it's exciting. I've never really done a podcast of any sort outside of like dabbling with my own with uh with friends and stuff, and usually not pertaining to hardcore music. So it's uh cool to have some time to talk about all that, especially considering how uh everything slowed down indefinitely for for all this time mm-hmm. you know yeah well i'm i i actually like pretty curious because you you know I'm, I'm talking to you right now on uh discord and you have a pretty decent setup so i'm just curious uh what do you use that equipment for um so what i would like to say is making music from my house but i'm gonna be honest i don't do nearly enough of that um i have all this equipment uh more i, I bought all of it with like and mind you, it's not all that much, but it's just like a nice microphone and interface. And I was like, if I ever wanted to make music out of my house, like in demo stuff, like I can, I have the means. Um, and I bought all of it for those purposes. But truthfully, like when I'm working on music, uh, a lot of the time it just turns into like phone voice memo demos. It just gets sent back and forth in group chat. So it's like, 
I have the means, but really it just turns to th- this equipment turns into this is the mic I use when I'm like talking to my friends on Discord and shit like that. It's like it, it, it's unnecessarily over the top, but it's OK. You know, if I ever needed it for something valuable, I have it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I feel like it's coming handy in this situation. But so I have Discord. I mainly use it, uh, you know, when it comes to stuff pertaining to like a lot of the video games that I'm playing. So just to kind of keep in communication with like, you know, people that I'm in like a a guild with whatever, but uh, do you Mm. use it to like, like as like a social aspect? Um, it's somewhere it's, it's social and gaming. I pretty much have like a, uh, so like it, it intersects with hardcore, but I have like a core group of friends that I've had for like, uh, pretty much my entire, basically my entire life. Um, and we've always gamed together, but, Back in back in the olden days when it was like big Skype calls and stuff before Discord was a a thing, it was just always normal for all of us to just uh, jump on and, you know, stay communicated like after school, whatever it might have been through Skype. And that has, you know, transferred into our adult life with Discord, especially with the quarantine and stuff. Like when things first popped off, there was like a good two months where it was wake up, get on Discord. And whether you were playing games or not, you were on for 12 hours just talking the whole day the whole night until you're asleep again damn that's wild so i'm I'm thinking about it now uh, and like i trip out at how like discord is just free just like sometimes when i look at like twitter i'm like how is this free like people uh could easily you know be charged for these like crazy services because it's just wild how like easily like it connects people and dude a hundred percent especially with like discord too because like I, I don't know if this uh, speaks to you at all, but back in the day, uh, not all that long ago, but for, you know, still probably like at this point, 10 years ago, like when I first started, like really getting into like gaming and stuff. Sorry if you hear my dog, by the way, he's popping off like a lunatic. It's all good. Um, But back in the day, I was, I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft. It was like my first time like raiding in that game and shit. And you would use Ventrilo to talk, which was like a uh a paid service you know like someone would pay for the vent server it wouldn't be expensive but like to do exactly what we're doing right now for up to 25 people would run someone you know like 10 bucks a month and now it's it's free and it's so improved on like the quality of life difference is night and day yeah as well i i still play wow to this day but i'm not like as deep as i was like a couple weeks ago but um i I played with my buddy joe samson and he's the one who like kind of pushed me to get like super heavy into it and he he was the guy that paid for the vent server and back then i I didn't really you know I, i wasn't as advanced as i am now with like uh, the internet and like having like a nice computer and just uh, being tech savvy. So I, him telling me like, Oh, I have my own vent server. It just sounded so like big and cool. So I was like, Oh, this is awesome. dude. Yeah, totally. It, 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 it was so legitimate at the time. Um, I myself also kind of, kind of fell off with wow, but you know, I, I pick up and fall off through the years. It's, it, it's like a lifer thing. It's if, if you fuck with MMOs like that, you always jump on and off pretty much forever. You know, what blows my mind is that, wow came out so long ago and the fact that it's still going so strong to this day it it blows my mind that they were able to create this game and kind of just take over that entire market because back then uh, or back before wow i I remember games like uh, everquest and uh, Mm -hmm. wanting to to get into that and hearing like horror stories of people like throwing their babies in the closet because they just wanted to play everquest just like random stuff like that but uh that just missed me because i I didn't get like a decent computer till i was like you know like i think almost out of high school and even then i I didn't even have a good enough internet connection to play an mmo so it wasn't until like final fantasy 14 came out until i had like a decent computer that i was able to run stuff and so like i I did like final fantasy 14 then i kind of jumped back and started wow 
and then I just kind of dabbled with things here and there. But uh, I, I still have my Final Fantasy 14 and WoW accounts, and they're you know I, I played them like this year, so they're, they're pretty like up to date. Dude, I capped on Final Fantasy 14 during quarantine. That was my first time playing. I, I just capped a character like three months ago. Oh, that's first insane. time ever. Uh, what uh, job class did you use? Uh, I was playing uh, Black Mage. Okay. Which is pretty sick. That's awesome. Uh, it, it, it's it's actually a really funny story. When when, uh, when I was in Japan a year ago with uh, with Vane for their first Japan tour, because I, I like uh, tour manage for them and like do merch and stuff. Um, and uh, so we were out there and we had like a good like week and a half of vacation time, like post doing the shows. And uh, I, I don't know if you know Li Joe. He's like a you know he's involved in music and hardcore but he he's also like a uh, famous street fighter player mm-hmm. and uh involved in, like the fighting game community and i remember we were walking around tokyo it was like me him and uh, jeremy who oh shit i don't know what just happened i tried someone popping off um sorry <laughs> but um my, my, my dog is just like going ballistic and i just hear the most insane shit happening downstairs. my bad but anyways <laughs> um so it's me, Joe, Jeremy, and we're walking around Tokyo, and literally everywhere you see billboards for Final Fantasy XIV as if it's like World of Warcraft in America. It's literally everywhere. It is like plastered. Um, and at the time, we were like, Joe was into the game, and he was like, yo, you guys got to play. And I was like, oh, like, I've always loved MMOs, but maybe want to get home, because at that point in time, there was a whole year forward of touring planned where I was like, it's, it's hard to sit down and play without like, legitimate time because i want to take it you know not seriously but you want to be able to see all the content and stuff do it the real way and uh at the time i just i basically shut him down and jeremy especially was like hell no i'm not doing that shit um a year later joe hits me up at the start of quarantine he basically just bought me a key for the game outright as just like you know being a good friend and like hooking it up and that that's what got me into the game he just was like here you have this now so please play and you know i did and capping was fun it was a good experience but uh i I just kind of got a little uh what's the word burnt i i got burnt out on gaming after doing it like the most i probably ever had since i was like a, a kid uh throughout this quarantine so that's now cool. i'm just trying to do real life and productive things again for sure that, that, that's something wild and uh, i i definitely know uh who la joe is and you know it's funny is like i don't know him personally but just being a huge fan of street fighter and just kind of knowing like the the personalities of the scene and uh you know figuring out who he is and just like you know singing like you know with tattoos and wearing bands or something oh dude that guy definitely is a part of the scene uh he's a really good street fighter player like this guy seems like a cool dude so that's how i started following him but that's pretty mm-hmm. cool that uh, you're, you're friends with him because he's definitely uh you know a pretty cool dude and has done some awesome stuff you know for hardcore and the street fighter scene so shout out to dude li joe 100 percent, totally bro he he's a a great guy and a great friend and someone i wish uh you know, it's, it's with with most relationships in anyone's life right now, you know, like quarantine kind of throws everything out of whack, like coronavirus stuff threw everything out of whack. But I, I, I appreciate when I get to see Joe and I appreciate the uh, time we've gotten to spend kind of touring together because he'll jump on for like little legs of vein tour and stuff and we'll just hang out. He's he's a great guy. Great guy to be around. OK, so I, I kind of want to uh, you know jump back to your early days. Cause have you always lived on Long Island? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am a. Uh, I, I like to advertise myself as a true Stony Brook townie. Okay. Uh, so I was I was born here, raised here. Uh, it's a, it's like a college town. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Stony Brook University, which has like a pretty massive like medical community. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty normal for people from other states to come here, 
specifically for that. But uh, if you're from New York, it's also normal to attend that school because through the SUNY school system, you know, it's just in-state tuition. It's, you know, quotations around it, affordable. Um, so it's around here, it's like a pretty known school and the entire town, like most college towns, is built around that. I have uh, grown up here. I've always been in this town and ironically never attended that school, although I was accepted for a spring semester three years ago, which I did not take, which I should have took. But that's a whole different story. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Stony Brook for not truly for life, but uh, literally speaking thus far for life. I'm, I'm a, a Suffolk, you know, middle. I'm, I'm like entry level out east. I'm not really out east. Like if I told someone from Long Island, I lived out east, they'd be like, no, you don't. You live in Stony Brook. You're like, you're just like an hour from the city. But like to people who you know, might not be from here, might not get the lifestyle. Like I'm, I'm East as fuck. Like they're like, Oh shit, you're deep. You know, like it, it, it's, it's like totally different like that. Okay. That that's awesome. I, I definitely like that breakdown and you're there uh Sony Brook. How did you discover hardcore? Cause I feel like, uh, and just doing this like over like the past couple of years, I uh, just love like hardcore on long Island. So many awesome bands. So I'm just curious how you stumbled upon it. Dude, for sure. So, so in my uh, my process, if you would, is is kind of a funny one because I I like to uh, cite it as like uh, a cumulative thing. Like I've never really gotten to articulate it like this, so bear with me. But um, basically, uh, I'm 24 now. When I was 12, I got into playing guitar um, because me and my friends uh, at that point in time loved Guitar Hero. We were all about it, and we wanted to learn real instruments and start a band. Um, so we went and we did that. I started taking guitar lessons. Uh, my buddy Spanos, who's one of my best friends to this day, uh, he also plays bass in my my newer band, Koyo. Uh, he took bass lessons, um, and we tried to get this band going. It, it was uh, a band called Q-Tip, which um, it was like me, uh, this kid who I don't need to mention, Spanos, and my friend Harold, who I met uh, literally like the first day of middle school when I was 12 because he was playing guitar in like a practice room uh, at our middle school and he, he plays guitar and hangman. Um, so it was like the three of us and it was like our earliest musical ventures. It was like a band that just played a whole lot of random everything. Like we'd play like classic rock covers and like shitty metalcore songs. We'd just do like the most weird allotment of shit. Um, that was like our middle school band. Um, and what I mean by like my discovery of hardcore is very cumulative is because it was literally all around me until it clicked as a part of my life. So I would play like these benefit concerts, as a kid uh, in our shitty band Q-Tip and it would be all these different local bands and Stony Brook and particularly Ward Melville High School has this like long standing legacy, uh, if you want to call it that, I guess, of uh, just people being into hardcore and people being in bands and stuff like a lot of people from our area uh, did bands, whether they you know were successful or not is a, a different story, but there was like a presence of hardcore around me. So I'd play these shitty local like mixed bill shows and there'd be you know, friends, hardcore bands playing at my like middle school cafeteria. So like, like uh, my friend, Mike, he played in detriment and a uh, bunch of other bands over the years, his band without notice played the first uh, benefit show at uh, that. I played at our junior high school and like, I was seeing his hardcore band, but I didn't have the context that it was hardcore. And my friend James who sang for detriment, he like books uh, tours and manages bands. Now he played a band called scourge. And I remember being hit up, by him because he like did the the benefit concerts with us and stuff I, I i knew him at that age he'd be like yo check out my new band he sent me like the scourge demo um so it was it was all around me but i i didn't know it as hardcore i remember 
uh, this kid, Ryan, who played drums uh, in Q-Tip, the kid I was like, I don't need to mention him. Now it's actually worth mentioning because on our old MySpace accounts when we were 12, he threw uh, irate and everybody gets hurt on his uh like his like wall playlist whatever the fuck it was called so like i remember hearing vendetta by irate and uh goon squad but everybody gets hurt at 12 and thinking those songs were sick but i didn't i did not get it at all i wasn't down i didn't know what was good with hardcore i just knew that shit existed i i remember uh seeing the like breakthrough it all death for dishonor music video on youtube before i liked hardcore and I was like, oh, that's cool. Still didn't know it was hardcore. I was just like, this is just another punk band or whatever. Whatever I inter- like thought it was at age 12 or 13. Um, so fast forward, uh, me and Harold go on. We keep playing music to like around like 14. Uh, we start we, uh, we, we start bands that all just kind of like reflect what we like. Like uh, when we were like four- 14, we were playing in this band that basically just sounded like like pop punk bands and like we had like songs that like sounded like title fight because a kid at our school showed us title fight and we like got crazy into title fight and shit um like stuff like that we just kept like uh emulating exactly what we were listening to at the time and uh at around like the end of uh end of 2010 start of 2011 um me and harold start this other band which is like the final form of all the aforementioned bands uh called they all float it was like a shitty metalcore band and uh our our friend cheyenne who's someone i still keep in touch with now um she sang uh and we just did at, at like 14 and 15 we got to do some really cool shit with that where it's like her her dad is basically like he was like uh he, he her dad is d snyder uh so he sang in that band like twisted sister mm-hmm. um and like he just like hooked it up for us at a young age, which was dope. So we got to do like, you know, three warped tour shows and play a bamboozle day. Um, you know, how, like nine years ago or whatever it was because of him, because he had that like pull. And, like we were kids, so like didn't matter that we were like doing something not authentic by like getting his help. Like it, it never went anywhere. It was like a career band or something, you know, we were just like we were like high school we were barely high schoolers so i I got to do like stuff like that and just as that was like coming to a cut like that's when me and harold kind of started getting into hardcore and he like like being cognizant of hardcore because we were going to local shitty metalcore shows through playing bail float stuff and then all at once i think i think it was like i I definitely got to credit harold to being the one who like ricocheted like my first like wave of hardcore bands at me where he was like yo like he's just around me listening to like trapped under ice, cold world, suburban scum, like stuff like that. Like I'd say like in the middle of like 2012. So I start getting into all these hardcore bands and I know there's local shows and stuff, but I, I don't go to a hardcore show till the end of that year. That's like my, I'm, I'm at that point, 15 turning 16. Um, and I have all these records on my iPod. Like the, the record that really made me like hardcore obsessed was, uh, uh, the first incendiary LP crusade. Like that record was like fucking biblical to me at that point in my life. I was obsessed with that record. Um, and then I remember my, my what ultimately what should have been my first hardcore show. And I'm going to bring it up as a should have been, although this doesn't matter just because uh, it's bullshit that I didn't get to do it because my friend's stupid, you know, ex high school relationship, uh, the, the person that was going to drive us both bailed and didn't drive us, but still went to the show. It's me and Harold were supposed to go, but it was uh 
Cold World at Smithtown Masonic Temple. And I think it was like Dead Empath, Backtrack, Expire. I think that sounds right. So, something like that. But I know for a fact it was Cold World at Smithtown Masonic Temple. And I wanted to go to that shit so bad. And the person that was supposed to drive us still went, but didn't take us. It was like 15 minutes from my house. Total bullshit. But um, the what what ended up being my actual first hardcore show was uh was kind of like a mixed bill. It was uh it was like a straight from the past show at a place called Eighty Nine North, and uh, Incendiary played, and a local band I really loved at the time called Bottom Out played. Um, and I wanted to see Incendiary and Bottom Out so fucking bad at the time. Um, Ian or Larry, if you randomly listen to this, that's what's good. Um. But yeah, that's that's pretty much. I, I think that's the most appropriate summary of it all. I was doing a whole bunch of music stuff, hardcore is everywhere, everywhere around me, and I just didn't realize. And once it clicked, it was uh, a a violent vortex, which I still uh, had have not gotten out of, and have no plan of getting out of. <laughs> that's that's the best way to put it. Damn. Yeah. I, I I feel like you know I, I that's just kind of how it is sometimes you, you just kind of realize like oh shit hardcore has been here the whole time and that's just what it is because for me once i started getting into it and it was all because of my older sister it was just something that i just never yeah just never looked back i you know, saw or went to like my first show or when i listened to like you know the first crop of bands i was like this is it this is like something that i i can identify with and something that i like truly love for like unknown reasons at the time and uh you know here yeah. i am like you know so many years later still th- that same passion and you know still uh well not this year but uh i was going to shows I-, I plan on to or plan on going to shows in the future whenever they happen but yeah it's, uh, hardcore is amazing and it- it's-, it's always fun for me to be able to um have people come on here and, and tell those stories because i'm always just so interested dude it really it really is such an interesting thing and-, and i can uh i can relate to that where it's like i'm always curious to hear what what crossed someone over? Like, what was their, uh, their rabbit hole moment where they're like, Oh shit, I'm in. Um, and, and another big thing that, uh, really followed that, um, and you know, shout out and a lot of love to like all the people who were involved in doing dope shit at this venue. But, uh, as soon as I got into hardcore, it, it that was like right at the time where things were like hot and heavy at a, at a place called SRC in a town called Sable on Long Island. And it was just like all the bands that like you identify as like the shit, for like the we'll say like the previous wave of like uh popular hardcore bands you know that that whole era of like the 2010 like like 2008 to like 2012 we'll say like the the bands that like embody that were just all playing all the time at src it was just ill show after ill show cost the living record release for incendiary king nine scared to death record release like just so many fucking dope shows at at that spot and i i got to go to most of them uh, the only one I missed, which I'm bitter about, was Foundation at SRC. But, you know, that, that'd be what it'd be. But, you know, I, I got to go to most of those shows. And that was like, the, it absolutely scratched that itch you get when, like, when it all clicks and you're like, yo, I love this shit. Like, there was a show every week in Sayville that I could go to. And it was so cool. Uh, I, I look back really fondly on that time. And I, th- I think everybody looks back at, like, their early hardcore experience with nostalgia and, and stuff like that. But, like, I definitely... I appreciate the the run of time I got at that place because it was so fucking awesome. Uh, so you've mentioned Incendiary a, a couple times, and for me being out here in California, it it, it just kind of seems like when Incendiary first came to the West Coast, they were already big. Like they've always been big to me, just because uh, I I didn't uh, know or get to see them like when they were just like playing at home. So by the time they, they were able to make it out west, it was always just a, such a big deal because everybody out here loves that band and 
they do amazing music and the fact that they're not like full time. It was always just like an event, like, okay, incendiary is coming to town. Like we have to go because we know that they're going to put on an amazing show. The music, the music's awesome. And we know that we don't get to uh, witness or experience it that often. So it was always like, just just like a big event. And I'm like, man, that's so crazy. How, um, like, I don't know if they scripted it that way, but it's just like, always just been like a, like a thing. So like for me, like I always look at that band, like, man, like, like what was it like for them in the early is because I look at them and it's like, they've always just been huge. Yeah, no, I, I totally feel. And, and that's definitely always been, uh, I, I don't know any of those guys super, super well, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friendly with, uh, a few. And the, the cool thing is Zara lore has always kind of been, um, that they, uh, you know, they do, uh, what's the word they, they do the part-time thing very well. Uh, that's, that's, that's definitely been their calling card and it's helped, uh, generate success for the band. Um, what I will say is again, you know, my, my point of entry is late 2012, so I can't speak for anything prior to that, although I'm vaguely familiar. I, I, I know I know things definitely scaled up the cost of living and I, the cost of living release show was like so insane looking back and like you can look at videos and whatever you think of in your head when you, I, I guess, uh, think about that show is exactly what it was. It was as crazy as I remember it. Um, but uh, speaking on the scale from that moment on, it's it's so insane to see. uh where where that band's at right now man it's it's so cool and uh they they definitely make long island proud i I don't think there's anyone who on long island who doesn't put anything but fucking respect on what that band's been able to do also like especially doing it all part-time you know like only only come through for a weekend only come through for a day two days it it's it's not only sick that they can do that but it's proof that you can if you think your life is too busy to to run it as a band you can figure it out you know yeah, because most people w- would look at like, man, if we can't do it full time, like that could be a detriment to the band's uh, career or image, or maybe people will forget and not really, and maybe give them a chance to, to miss them. But also, um, like I said, uh, give people a chance to forget because uh, bands come and go so fast. There's always like a, the, the new hot band or a new demo, or even the established bands putting out you know good music. So for them to be able to to just kind of navigate through all of it and still keep people interested and still put out quality stuff. It, it's definitely, uh, I feel like kind of rare. So it, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, so being a fan of uh, long on hardcore, I, I felt like uh, a couple of years ago, has it been a couple of years? I, I can't remember uh, when backtrack d- decided to, to call it quits uh, for, for some reason I, I kind of looked at that um, and I don't know anybody in the band personally. I I don't know why they decided to call it quits, but I, I kind of was like confused because I feel like they were uh, one of the bigger bands, and uh, I, I just kind of looked at it. I'm like, damn, like, I hope that isn't like a blow to Long Island hardcore, just because you know sometimes you, you lose like a bigger band, like uh, you know people could get discouraged or uh, you know people could just give up and you know kind of it's not really supported anymore. But the fact that um, they called it quits and I, I feel like th- the scene's just gotten stronger, like, you know, like in their time of, um, you know, being gone. And so I, I, I'm i just curious, like what that band meant to you guys. Yeah. So, so backtrack is, is definitely another band that uh, was a huge entry point for me. And and I think uh, most people my age uh, would, would be, you know, lying if they didn't say the same, it's absolutely, uh, you know, uh, but because of how hard they came up at the time period, they were absolutely like a, a gateway band for a lot of younger people um, and, and losing them sucked, you know, but um, obviously it's a bummer when any band you really like breaks up, but I think they approached it the right way. I mean, I never spoke to, uh, I, I never spoke at length too much with, with any of them in terms of uh, like why they broke up. Um, but, you know, like 
it from everything I've gathered, it seemed like it was just this like, let's end it right and not drag it out because hardcore is this ever changing thing uh, that fluctuates and, you know, things that are, are insanely hot, you know, cool down. And it, it just, uh, it seemed like a way uh, from my perception for them to just kind of logically burn bright on their, uh, on their way out rather than, you know, just bleed out and slow bleed and, you know, let the band not be what they want it to be. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fucking popular your band is. It, what matters is, are you having fun? Is this fulfilling for you? And uh, if it's not fulfilling anymore, there's no point to uh, stretch it out, you know, but losing that band definitely sucked for long Island. I, I, I think most people would speak similarly on that. You know, it's, it's a bummer to, to not have a, a backtrack show at least once a year to look forward to because they were always playing even when they slowed down. Yeah, I, I think back to the uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it on, on YouTube. There's a video from the Darker Half CD release show. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's that's that just looks so insane. A show I really wish I went to like that. That is uh, that's that general time period I was talking about where it's like things were hadn't clicked yet or are clicking. But like that's that was at uh, EHS, which is garden city which for me not driving that like not being able to drive myself to shows was uh was just not even feasible like i was definitely cognizant of that show like i was aware i'm pretty sure that that happened mm-hmm. but that was before that was definitely before i was truly like down with it and that was especially before i had any means of getting there <laughs> um because you know i had to bum rides off my parents friends to like my earliest hardcore shows like most most of my friends my age didn't drive um because we were like 15 16 like no one in new york you can't even drive yourself anywhere until you're 17 um so it, it there were definitely like a uh, a small shopping list of shows that i missed out on like sheerly because i couldn't get there and tra- public transportation on long island also worth mentioning absolutely terrible like in other places it, it's way more feasible to like get on a bus get on a train find your way uh to where you want to be but in an era that predates uber like the the Long Island Railroad goes uh, east to west, and there's three lines: North Shore, Middle, and South. And they take you basically left to right on the island. But even if you get to the town you need to be in, just finding your way to the appropriate venue was a fucking process pre Uber. Like most of the time, like if there was a show deep enough in Nassau or on the South Shore, if I couldn't get a ride, it just wasn't a possibility for me most of the time. Yeah, there's two shows that stick out in my mind that I still beat myself up over for not uh, attending. Uh, one was at this venue in Corona called the Showcase Theater, and it was uh, Righteous Jams, Donnie Brook, and I, I can't remember who else was on the tour, but it was uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Donnie Brook was touring on uh, Lines in this game, and Righteous Jams was on the 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 tour and. I missed the showcase date because I was too scared to call out from work because I, I wanted to be a responsible young adult. So I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm, I'm just going to go to work and they'll be back. And, you know, fast forward, they righteous jams never came back. Knock them back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the other show, and this is me, I, I uh, you know, big fan of anime. So back in the day, I mm-hmm. used to go to um, anime expo and it just turns out that year, I had the choice to go to Anime Expo with my cousin or go to the Showcase Theater to see Carry On's last show with my friends. And once again, oh, I was just like, 
I'll go to Anime Expo because Carry On, they'll play again. And then sure enough, mm-hmm. fast forward to now, it's they've never again. played. So I'm just like, damn it. Like, I'm such an idiot. Like, th- those two shows that I that I missed that I beat myself up over is just like, I, I just think I'm like, God, I'm such an idiot. Because, like, I was well aware and I just made the, like, you know, obviously the choice is not to go. And I just, sometimes I just wish that those bands would come back. I could just see them once. Dude, that that shit like that sucks, man. Shit, shit like that definitely, uh. It, it, it eats eats you up inside because you're like fuck man especially now where it's like we haven't been to shows in months it's like you, you end up your mind just wanders to shit that you wish you went to and you're like oh man that was like feasible like like any, like this isn't uh it's not the same scale as like carry on's last show an example but it's like there was uh there was like a suburban scum lifeless king nine uh pressure drop uh show um in the city uh like 2013 i think uh it was like that summer and I had a ride, but I didn't go because uh, I just like felt like weird and nervous about it at the time. I don't remember why. I was just like, it just like so- something didn't feel right in my gut. I was like, Do I-, I think it was like, I think I thought it was like a private show for for someone who was uh, getting married. Um, but I-, I just like felt weird about it and I didn't go. And I, I like look back. I was like, why didn't I just go to that? Would have been fine. Would have been sick. Like I, I know plenty of people that played, went, etc. It's like stuff like that. It's like, it's just, you, you, you had those the the ones that stick out are the ones that you just so feasibly could have been there for and it just fucking bothers you forever foundations last show it's another one like i love foundation band's great uh it was my i couldn't go because um this is reasonable because obviously you can't put hardcore above literally everything that's just irresponsible and also just not a reasonable place to put it in anyone's life um but it was my dad's surprise 50th birthday party the night of that show and because it was a surprise, I couldn't just be like, yo, dad, let's go, let's go get like, you know, lunch next week or, you know, let's, let me make it up to you in some way. I was like, if I tell my dad, I'm not going to this, I spoil his surprise birthday party. So I, I had to just, you know, grin and bear it. And like, it was a show I otherwise could have absolutely went to. Also another one, um, Silent Majority reunion. I went to the first night and I love Silent Majority, like easily one of my, if not, if not my favorite Long Island band ever. Um, it's definitely up there. Uh, I didn't go to night two or any of the Brooklyn shows because I just got a job at a diner at that time. And, uh, my friend Spanos who plays bass in, like I said, the same guy who plays bass in my, one of my newer bands. Um, his dad was like a manager at the diner. So he got me the job and I didn't want to like, you know, disrespect his father for hooking me up with a job like that. So I, I only got off. I just got the job that summer. I took off one night for the first night of the silent majority reunion, which I'm appreciative of entirely that i got to do that but if i would have knew that fast forward two years all i'd be doing with my life was touring i would have just fucking went i would have quit i would have went and saw sound majority four times instead of one um like navigating that situation your perspective varies with time you know it's like i i quit that same job on the fly while on tour in tennessee two years later like it didn't matter because guess what it didn't so it's, it's just weird how the shit goes man yeah i yeah you, you always just try to make like the the best decision uh you know at that moment and you know you just gotta hope for the best but yeah that's wild that's that that's crazy okay so i'm you play in uh three bands currently that i know of yes yes currently currently three bands uh typecast soul provider and koyo those are those are my three bands okay so l- let's start with soul providers since that was like the um 
the you guys released that in 2019 so we'll start there before things got pretty bad uh yes yes uh, only one show so far <laughs> didn't that, get to do much that that's so crazy uh so uh, awesome band i i remember when the the demo dropped and i was like oh and w- I, I can't remember like I, was it marketed as like a super band uh yeah i i think it kind of uh I, I think it kind of innately got marketed as that, whether we particularly cared for it to be or not, just okay. because everyone in the band had other bands. Um, so it just, as, as you know, with a type of thing like that, people just uh, latch those other bands on to what it is. But um, but yeah, that, that band pretty much started at the same time as Koyo, and they share almost the exact same members, just switched around. Um, and pretty much uh, Soul Provider and Koyo actually both came to be with the purpose of, uh, I got off of a full us tour and i had three months off for the first time in two years and we all happened to have off at the same time and we were like let's start new bands we all got into hardcore got into touring and we all basically went in different like our our like close uh that close-knit friend group i referred to you know that like my og friend group we all like, like all of us got into music we all started bands to tour and we all went in different directions like we didn't ever get to do it together like we we didn't even get to play local shows together um so we started both of those bands initially as a way to do that um and we we basically we jammed on like five different bands we want i was koyo was like i want to do a long island band like like long island sound type band like soul provider was like we want to do like kind of like a harder band but you know keeping it real because it's bullshit to like write hard music when you're not hard people we wanted to keep it within our within our means keep it realistic um and there were like two other bands of like a more like straightforward hardcore sound that we were shooting for and a couple couple other ideas that were bouncing around but those are the two that made it out of the development phase were koyo and soul provider and for people who aren't informed can you break down who's in soul provider so soul provider is uh harold who plays guitar in hangman singing uh me playing bass uh marazzo who plays guitar in Ray Salvation, Koyo, Typecast, the, the list goes on. He plays in a lot of other bands with me uh, playing guitar, TJ playing guitar, and Sal uh, playing drums. Um, and all all the other assorted bands without titling each one for each person are like Ray Salvation, Sal's playing in Space Cowboy, we all play in Koyo, except, uh, yeah, actually we all play in Koyo. Um, so it's like this whole pool of like affiliated bands all kind of came together for those two projects um and the only difference with koyo is that in soul provider like i said harold sings uh i'm playing bass for koyo i sing harold plays guitar and does like backups um because they're like different types of bands koyo is like a little more of a, a rock band if you would okay hell yeah that's that's sick hopefully in the future you guys are able to play more shows because you know just getting one out there that's you know kind of wild especially since it's you know it dropped in 2019 and here we are eight months into 2020 it's like god it's so that's so crazy dude both bands only got to play one time bumps me out so hard like like soul provider like our first show was dope it was a an inclination show on long island that like sold like, like 170 tickets or some shit like there was like bad people there but there were also like truthfully mad people there who like don't usually like come out shows on long island so like our, our first set was cool but like there were definitely a lot of people who were there just kind of spectating which is cool i'm absolutely like not hating on that it's just uh we, we didn't get that like true like let's play like a shitty show where only our friends come and only our friends mosh mad hard when there's 30 people in the room we didn't get that i i, I want some of that you know like okay. it's that shit's fun too i, I want some of that shit 
Interesting. Okay. Damn. Uh, now I'm curious about those the, those uh, spectators because I, I feel like that's like more what I do these days because I'm so like I don't I, I don't feel old, but sometimes I just like get lazy. I'm just like I'm just I, I'm yeah. trying to stand at the like you know I I obviously uh, go in there. I'll stand up front and just try to you know absorb it all because uh, I feel like I feel weird if I stand in the back. I'm like why why did I pay money. Uh, and and this is how I'm showing my support, just standing in the back, not really, you know, yeah. being in the environment. So I I just always like being up front. Um, but that's a good way to be about it. And yo, there's there's absolutely something to be said for like spectating and like attending shows and not participating. It's not it's not necessary, especially as you get well. It's not like a mandatory thing, especially as you get older too. Like it's it's harder to be about it for everything. But it, it's it's more so. And I, I guess let me elaborate a little further because I'm not trying to hate. I, I don't want my words to be misconstrued. Mm-hmm. But like this inclination show, um, a lot of people came out to it that are not like hardcore kids necessarily, or they might title themselves as that. I'm not trying to like decred them or something. That's not my place to do in the first place. But a, a lot of kids came out because of that, like not loose adjacency. Like, oh, um, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So like, obviously, like Brian and Isaac are both there. Um, uh, just on that little weekend and a lot of people came out because there's that knock loose link um, and it was just like a lot of people who it's like they don't know most of the bands on the show they know inclination via that that knock loose connect which is badass because they got to see a bunch of hardcore bands they otherwise wouldn't have saw mm-hmm. which is dope like that's ill but that's why it was kind of like a weird first set because mo- there's a packed room but most of these people have no idea who we are and some of which definitely don't care which is totally fine like i like i said like none of this is a bad thing this is just the uh the like literal layout of how that show went yeah that always trips me out because i'm just like okay like i i get it you're you're there because you know that one band but for me even like if i go to a show where there's like one band that i like i i still will show up early just on the rare chance that there's a band playing that i've never heard of that will you know pique my interest so for I, sure, for sure. Yeah, so I I hope uh, you know at least some of those kids who showed up, you know, just for inclination, uh, checked out the other bands, and um, you know, found some new music to check out, or maybe get a you know dive a little deeper into hardcore. I'm I'm sure they did. That's that's a beautiful thing about like what you get from like that uh that knocked loose adjacency and what they've managed to do uh, as a band is like they pull a lot of people in who are just sponges for music. They just want to like they're obsessed with knocked loose and they want to hear other shit. Um, that's that's you know. And whatever whatever they get put in front of then becomes their new favorite shit too. And for some, I'm sure it evolves even further to actually getting vested in the subculture beyond just like a couple of things. So I'm I'm sure some kids went home from that show with like a, a you know a whole new allotment of shit they love. Okay, so I kind of want to put a pause on the on your your bands real quick um, since uh, we're on yeah, the topic of, of like you know knock loose and like you know these adjacent bands. Uh, I, I feel like you're kind of in that realm as well, working with Vane because I feel. Uh, they're probably like arguably like one of the biggest bands in hardcore right now, and I feel like they're going to be one of those bands that like, kind of transcends and outgrows hardcore. So yeah, it's 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 for sure possible. Um, they they, they definitely uh they sit in an interesting place for sure as they are right now and as as things come to be in the future. But um, Van is a similar deal. Like there are a lot of kids like when we when we go on tour who are obsessed with Van. They found out through. Uh, a channel that is more metal um and they come and here is Vane doing like a full us with like higher power an example or higher power modern color whoever else it's like they come to the Vane show to see Vane, and their their mindset is metal or their mindset is like a you know different background than hardcore and it's not to say they can't get down with what they're being presented but it, it's definitely uh 
it's a similar case of like they are not coming there as this explicit target audience that identifies as a hardcore kid that loves hardcore music. They're there because they love Vane and they're, they're open to what they're seeing. Like, like it's awesome to see these people be receptive to a band like higher power or modern color or whoever else we've what, like Narrowhead when we were in the UK is a great, another example. It, it's great to see them be down with other shit, but there's a hundred percent of similarity with Vane to exactly what we were talking about, where there are people who are coming from a, a different background that are now coming to see them in droves. Um, so it makes for a little bit of a different, interesting experience every time we go out. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, and I'm going to speak honestly here. I, I feel like I'm like a little torn because I, I want to see all the bands that uh, are like, you know, vain code orange, knock loose uh, trash talk. These bands that get bigger than hardcore. I want to see them have that success because I feel like those bands are hardworking they put out good music consist, uh, consistently and they deserve it. But I feel like when they kind of get to that point where they break past hardcore and then the other fan base kind of invades, I feel like for me, it just kind of ruins it for me. Cause like I, I think about like, I all go see trash talk and it's definitely not a hardcore crowd anymore. And yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, for sure. Definitely not a hardcore crowd anymore, but they still do the hardcore music, which like, I'm just like, okay, like I don't understand um, how, like the community kind of like turned their back on trash talk or did trash talk turn their back on us? I don't know like what it was, but I also show up because I'm a huge fan. Love everything they've put of out, course. but it's just like, damn it. This isn't the same like experience. Like when I think back to like, you know, when they would play like sound and fury or they play actual hardcore shows or like now, like I'm thinking like code orange, I have to go see them at like, you know, I was going to go see them at Coachella and now they're, you know, doing way bigger stuff. So it's just like, you know, like a way different experience. So I'm just like, damn it. Like I'm stoked and happy for them, but it's just like, yeah, like this, like the whole experience is changing because it's not really going to like a hardcore show anymore. If that makes sense. Like it is, but it isn't. Yeah. No, no, I totally know what you mean. And it's, it's definitely, it's a, uh, it's a weird tightrope to walk um, in terms of like, What's the way to put it? It's a weird tightrope to walk from from like the position of uh, being that band, you know, figuring it out for yourself and and how you manage to uh, navigate being uh, if you if you want to put it in these terms, quote, career hardcore band or career band uh, w- without alienating the people that got you rolling. You know, like it's uh, it's a bad look when it happens. Um, it's a it's a weird feel. Sometimes it's inevitable. Um, but I think there is a way to do it. I, I think it's absolutely feasible to uh, find yourself in higher states without uh, disrespecting or outright alienating your your prior audience. And I, I, th- I think bands find their way. Um, they, they definitely do. But it's as a uh, as a person who loves going to shows, it's it's probably a different different issue. You know, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to it's hard to see a band you love come up because at first you're like mad happy and you're like, yo, it's so cool to get to do this as a job now. Um, and then you're like, what about me? What about my sentimental experience as a participant at a show? You know, um, I, I, th- I think that's what it comes down to a lot. People think about it from their lens where it's like, well, I remember when they used to play this. I remember when they used to play these venues, these songs, but like the, the unfortunate truth is like after a while, all, all, you just have to value those moments because at the end of the day, it's, it's about, it's about the bands, about their expression, what they want to do with their music, what they want to do with their time, their effort, their career. It's like you don't always you don't always have to support it. Things change. I, I get not being down with certain things anymore. But at the end of the day, like you got to remember that these these aspirations, these projects, these efforts to tour the entire world and the country as fun and beautiful as they may be, they're they are bigger 
than the the listener's demographic like for for the person vesting everything into doing that it is a much more uh self-contained experience if that makes sense you know it, it just no longer becomes about the person that was down seeing them at the hardcore show mad long ago you know you could try and put respect on those people but uh, uh, eventually it just sometimes it gets lost and that just is what it is you know yeah i feel like i just try to stick around long enough to um to where they'll do like you know uh like these off shows at like smaller venues i'm like okay mm-hmm. i'm like yes i stuck around long enough now i get to see that shit again and i'm so stoked dude 100 yeah. percent. and that's what's sick on the vein tours too is we we stay like uh just doing like random ass fun shit like that because they're like, like th- those are some of my absolute best friends ever like i, I love them all to death like they're they're just down ass individuals and and real ass hardcore kids and like they, they know it's good like we'll be on a fucking metal tour and it's like okay we just got done with this shitty metal show that we're doing because you just got to do it sometimes let's go fucking play a chinese food restaurant in baltimore and have only like it last like local hardcore bands play and do this right and get get that fix that they want too because they love that shit and they're they're sick of the bullshit as much as like the uh the participant in the crowd who's there from like a hardcore background is you know it's like you got to do shit to find that balance like off shows and stuff like that helps so much and just like keep keeps things real and and gives you those moments of small venue that this shit is still what i thought it was you know i'm just curious were you there at the the have heart reunion i was yeah and, and yo that that's that's tied into all the vein shit like i i i love and appreciate those people in my life so much because they they have facilitated me being able to do shit like that. I got to, I got to be there for all four American have heart reunions. Um, and that's fucking awesome. Like I got a flight out to sound and fury to fucking sit at a merch table and just enjoy the weekend with my fucking brothers. Like that's like untouchable shit, man. Like I, I'm, I'm so thankful. I got to see all those shows cause they were fucking amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. I wish I knew you back then. Cause I, I was there at sound and fury. That was a crazy weekend. Dude, that was a crazy weekend. I wish I knew too. Dude, that that shit was fucking awesome. Like that that like I uh, not not that this stuff's ever worth bringing up because like it's it's like so arbitrary and fucking stupid and I I feel like it's a bad look, but I will just say like that the have heart reunions, it's the most amount of tip money I've ever made selling merch. It was fucking sick. I I can't help but just mention that shit was insane. Okay. I was so psyched. No, that's cool. Like that, um, that shit was fucking awesome. <laughs> Like that, that was like on some totally other shit. I, I couldn't believe it both weekends. I was like, what did I do? To, I didn't do anything to deserve this, but that, that was like just reaping the, the spoils of an awesome weekend. I was like, I got to go do all this shit because of dope shit. The weekend itself was dope and I'm not broke. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, it was so cool. Hell yeah. E- everything about it was amazing, man. I, 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 I love have heart. I, lo- I love, uh, I love just getting to do shit like that. Oh, because it all just ties back to doing dope shit in hardcore. It was yeah. fucking amazing. They, I feel like they made the uh, the the where the venue was for Santa Fury. I feel like they made that venue seem bigger than it actually was, which was yeah. crazy. Because because like, cause like the, I feel like that that's happened to me like uh, like I think like because like there's like a local venue here called the Observatory. It's like a I think like a, I guess like a medium sized venue. It's not like that big. But I've, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with it. I I know of it. I didn't ever actually get to go there, but I've seen videos and stuff. Yeah, like I I saw Marilyn Manson there uh, like a couple of years ago, and I feel like he made that venue like you know seem way bigger than it actually was. And I was like, damn, that's a that's a trip 
for like an artist to, to be able to make like you know somebody feel that way like in the audience and, and it's like yeah. a venue that like I, I frequent like all the time so like just being able to like just see like you know somebody as big as marilyn manson in like this venue and just like yeah it was just like strange i was like this is wild it feels so much realer you know dude and actually now double uh cross out what i just said i actually just clicked i have been to both observatories actually oh. um on that uh that every time i die tour that okay. they did with their style and angel dust that that mm. shit was sick now I totally forgot that was the venue. Um, I was confusing it for something else, but that now with you saying that, and then thinking about what those venues are, I totally know what you mean too. Like it's it's seeing like Marilyn Manson at either of the observatories be fucking crazy. Like that's crazy. Yeah, you know what's funny is like I I live here in Southern California and I've never been to the one in San Diego. It was cool. It, it was uh I, I now I remember this the uh the actual floor is like massive. It's like wide as fuck. Like it, it's it's really like this like. Like like the top to bottom of like the, I guess the window of where you're seeing the show. Like the ceilings are so fucking high. Like the the actual like dance floor area is fucking huge. It, it's an insane venue. That was the only time I've ever been there though. I've I've hardly been to San Diego. Period. Despite doing a fuck ton of touring. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think the last time I was in San Diego was for what was the last time I was there for? I, I'm thinking like show wise, and I can't remember. Yeah. Dude, literally that every time I die show is I'm. Pr- oh wait, actually, does this count? Does uh, what's what's that like DIY, uh, venue that's like, is is it like San Diego area? It's uh, the, the fuck's it called? The Che Cafe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was there on uh another tour. That was the uh, is that San Diego or yeah. is that San Diego Jason? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're yeah, San Diego. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I was there for that too. That place was cool. Um, but I was only there once. Okay. Damn. All right. So yeah, back to Koyo. I'm like pretty interested where you guys d- decided to come up with like, you know, that kind of sound. Cause obviously I, you mentioned earlier, you kind of wanted to like, you know, pay tribute to like uh, the long Island sound. And I, I just got to say that the, the last track on the record translucent, I feel like that's like my jam. Dude. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you. I, I, I love that song. That was actually what I, funny enough, the last one uh, we wrote for the record, but yeah, uh, Koyo has been an interesting thing. It's kind of, I think, uh, I think it'd be fair and safe to say that it's kind of where all our collective eyes have shifted in terms of like, a, if you want to say, quote, main project, I guess, like uh, we, we're, we're all putting a lot of energy at that right now. Um, I love Koyo, man. That that band is, uh, it kind of ties back to like what we were doing as kids, like covering like fucking like Taking Back Sunday and brand new when we were like literally 12 year olds in my like den. It was like, like a full circle moment of that where it's like yo we loved all this long island music now we can we have the the perspective and the means to make it ourselves and uh that, that's kind of what it's been you know it's as as we've gotten older and our tastes have developed a little more and you found out you know you, you dive deeper into what is long island hardcore what is history what is hardcore adjacent that you didn't know prior was but you knew the band from other you know places it's like that's uh that, that that's what I think it all kind of came to be. Well, it was it it all kind of came out right in that first EP, which which is sick. Um, and we're currently in the mix of writing a fuck ton of other music. We did our first practice in eight months, literally uh, two or three days ago, and uh, we practiced for like eleven hours, just like writing and playing through old songs and stuff. But uh, I, I I wish uh, it, it's like a weird uh weird set of circumstances where. I wish the uh, quarantine didn't happen because it derailed so many things in life. However, um, the one cool thing to come from it is we all kind of like 
assessed and we were like, yo, when, when this comes out, Coil was originally supposed to just be like absolutely part-time. We're all home from tour. We'll play a show type thing. We definitely, we want to tour when we're out of this. We want to go places, see places as a, as a friend group in a band like that, that matters to all of us. Like we're, we're a hundred percent down to run it a little bit and, you know, see where things land off, which I'm psyched on. Yeah. I feel like Koyo has that sound where you guys can kind of just like fit in, in like a bunch of different places. Like you guys aren't, you know, just kind of put in a box. You guys just have this really fun sound. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I, I can totally see that. And I think that's why, uh, touring will be, you know, pretty seamless for us once things get going, just because like, I feel like it's, we're, we're down to just do it. We just want to get out there as, you know, like best friends and just play and just put ourselves in front of people. And uh, I think we could fit any bill, whether it's like heavy and hard or whether it's, it's light or out of our even sphere of hardcore. We, I, I feel like we can, uh, fit in nicely in a lot of places and have it not be weird. So I'm, I'm just psyched to get to play it all and just get this new music together because, uh, we're, we're all, we're all really gassed up on the band. We stay talking about it. We, we have that like feverish obsession over it, which, which is always like a good sign for anything creative, you know, where it's like start of your day, end of your night, like that it's crossing your mind. So you mentioned that you guys practice for 11 hours and the record came out uh, middle of March and you mentioned only one show and uh, do you guys want to try to put out something like soon or you guys just want to let this record live a little longer because i'm always like because um, i'm always curious about like uh like for, like letting certain records live like like when is it too soon or too late to, to put something new out for sure for sure so we're, we're still kind of fielding it by ear we're not trying to rush anything because who knows when shows and touring are actually going to be back um I, th- I think people's expectations for it are a little naive uh shows were the first thing to shut down last to come back as far as i'm concerned um with that said, I, I th- what we're doing is we're writing a fuck ton of songs, like so, 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 so many songs. We're not just writing ten and calling it a record. We are writing endlessly, uh, and we're taking three songs and we we have a split that we're planning that I can't talk too much on right now. Um, who knows if it'll even happen? Things change all the time. But as of now, we're planning to release a split with a friends band, um, and that's gonna hopefully either be like end of this year, start of next year, whatever fits the timing right. The point of those songs is just to put some more music out. It's not to uh, be supported like you would any other release. You know, like you you put music out, you want to be able to play on it. Like we don't we don't care is not the right way to put it, but we kind of don't care. We just want to put some more music out. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're really trying to like get right is a full length record, um, which is where bands go to die. Uh, is is full lengths, and we want to do it best we can, best music we can possibly put out and and be proud of and that's that's the one that will sit on the back burner for as long as it has to we don't want to put that out without being able to support it um but i i don't think it'll be done anytime soon we we have a lot we're we got to do before that's even on the table but as of right now like i said plans plans change things change we're trying to write a banging ass full length and get it done real nice and you know put it out and tour on it when the time comes you know and that's the and just curious about the the new music. Is it gonna uh, continue this trend of like you know? Because I, I feel like all the songs kind of have like different ranges. Like I could listen to a whole record that sounded like translucent, or or any any other tracks. Like if you were just to you know, stick to like that one particular sound, is that the like trend you're gonna keep with like you know like these like maybe the split or the the, the full length? I I think it'll. I think the split will definitely be similar. I think the full length might go to other places. Um, not 
not to say that in like an alarming way, like mm-hmm. we might try some other things with it, but I, I, I think that like diversity in sound will kind of be there no matter what. Um, because, because, uh, at, at the end of the day, like the way we look at the band is it, it can just be whatever we want it to be. It doesn't have to be this black and white, like, Oh, let's, let's go and write like a rock record now. Or, Oh, yo, it's not hardcore enough. Let's, let's write like five songs that sound like this. We're like, it just is what we want it to be. And like, I, I think the best music comes out the most naturally that way. So for the record in mind, I, I think uh, I, 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 although I think things might naturally shift one way or another as we write, I, I do ultimately think it's going to share that same quality of like, no track is exactly alike. You know, that's, that's the goal too. You don't want to write a record that, uh, that bores people. You want, you want people to be equally as excited, you know? Sometimes I feel like there's like some band out there where I'm like, man, I wish you just wrote more of these records and not, yes. so, <laughs> you know, to, to clarify, I, I say that not in the let's 180 in a shitty way, way. Cause some bands clearly write records where they're like, we're trying to be commercial or we're trying to make this jump or yeah. we're, we're trying to be experimental. Like we're not trying to do that at all. It's just that, you know, we're, we don't feel we need to zone in too hard on like, does this song need to be more hardcore leaning? Does this song need to be more rock leaning? Do, does this need to sound like this or that? Like we, we think it'll all just come out naturally like the EP did. If we just keep going, you know, just doing the same shit, just writing and having fun. Um, the, the harder you think about it, the more you set yourself up to fail with that shit. In my personal opinion. And just curious, uh, you do vocals and Koyo. Did, did you always know you had that in you or is that just kind of like an experiment? It just kind of worked out um so so when we were kids me and harold both sang we did like choir and shit in high school oh, like okay. we, we, we loved singing man that was like our, our 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 shit as kids and when we had our old shitty high school bands we both sang we do like split vocals we go back and forth um so so that for sure uh it's, it's something i knew i could do but didn't really have um have an opportunity to do because i wasn't trying to do any bands that sounded like that uh, the first time I actually like sang on a recording for real, for real was uh, shortly before we went in and recorded the coil stuff. We recorded the most recent typecast EP and there's the one song where I like sing clean on there and Sean and Dylan knew I could sing because in the past we've dabbled and done like bedroom demos of like, you know, like just like singing over beats that Sean made and stuff like way back when. Um, so like they knew I could sing from that. So that, that was like the, the moment of let's just try this type deal where it's like, I know I can do this, but I haven't done this shit in so long. Who knows how it will transfer over like aggressive music. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think it worked out because even on the, the type ass record and on Koyo, you, you sound awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that for real. I definitely, uh, I, I get it all up in my head about that shit all the time. Like singing, singing clean is tricky because with aggressive music it's really easy to just make it sick no matter what but like having a background in like singing proper i guess and like you know me and harold being in like a choir class and doing like nisma and singing choral music and fucking you know italian and shit like like i just i i i get very uh i put like a microscope on myself where i'm like was that proper did that sound good man i suck i'm a shitty you know i've I, I was best when I was 17, you know, it's like, it, it, you definitely get a little up in your head about it, but you just have to, when it comes to like producing the music, you just got to remember, it's like, yo, you're, you're a hardcore band at the end of the day. It can just sound like whatever, as long as, as long as, uh, you're not, you know, a thousand percent off the money with the key and, uh, the music's good. That's all that matters.
you just want to make people feel shit in one way or another. That's that's the end goal, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I totally get where you're coming from. I have to edit this podcast every week, and I I just hate that I have to like be so uh, like you know critical, and I have to analyze the way that I talk. And I have like these phrases that I say uh, that it's not like I plan them or it's like a script or anything, but it's just that's just the way that I speak. So it's just like, of course, yeah. Of and course. I'm just like, I hate it because I hear it every week, but I, I, I just try my best because I have to review it to make sure things sound decent so I can you know put it up and uh, let everybody hear because I, I, I don't want to put out like terrible sounding audio. I just do the best with like, you know, what I know I can do. And I'm always trying to like find ways to improve it. But yeah, so I, I totally get it when, when you get in your head because I sit there and like I'll, I'll review it. I'm like, man, I hate the way that I sound, you know, it's, it's just weird. Yeah, like, dude. Like, it's like I don't like out of every episode I've ever done. I've never like tuned in and be like, yes, like I love the way that like I sounded the way that I was speaking. It sounds amazing. You know, I'm, I'm always just like, damn it. Like, could I have said it better? It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm always just trying to like, you know, I'm like way too critical on myself, I think. Dude, I totally feel that. When, when we recorded the Koyo EP, like I was so proud and happy when it was done. But at the same time, I was like, fuck, man, do I sound okay? And then thankfully we put it out and, you know, people were down with it, which I appreciate any and all who supported it. Um, but at, at the time, I was so self-conscious about it. Like, I, I don't think I really even expressed that to my band. So if they listen and by chance to this and they hear me say that, yeah, I, I thought I sounded like shit. I thought the music was dope. But I was like, are people going to think my voice is cool? I don't think so, you know, but thankfully it seemed to work out. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned typecast. I, yes. uh, I was able to attend summer fear two and three. And oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So you saw both those shows. Yeah. Uh, you, you saw the, the cursed one at, uh, at white Oak. That yeah. show was sick, but our, our set, I was like, ah, shit, man, we should just let tourniquet play over us <laughs> or, or yeah it's just for whatever reason we were just like mad mad people just sit outside for that one which i don't actually care about i'm not saying that to be a complainer i was just like i look at that versus the program show and i was like fuck the program show is so sick <laughs> like the the third year is so awesome mm-hmm. and uh a while back this is like I, th- I think like like right at the right at the beginning of the pandemic uh i, I had on uh greg uh, he's, uh, you know, plays in various bands. He's uh, been around the scene for a while. He, he announced, uh, the, the next summer of fear. Um, and I, and I, I don't think he was supposed to, but then like, it, this all just fell apart. Like the whole year just turned to shit. And I was like, man, yeah. now it's like, what if Greg didn't announce it? Could the year have been, Could everything like, have just yeah. been fine. what if that was, what if, <laughs> yeah. what if that was that one thing that, that was like, all right, if, if it happens, boom, COVID hits. And I, I, I just think about that, but obviously that's not why we're in this right, situation. Right, right. But, but was just, that the butterfly effect? Yeah, we don't know. I, I just think about that sometimes. I'm like, damn it, Greg, you're yeah, you're, you're an dude. awesome guy, but did you cause it? <laughs> that <could've> been it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, but yeah, that, oh, go ahead. that was supposed to be a thing this year. Supposed to be uh, supposed to be soul blind shackled typecast hitting it again. Uh, and unfortunately, did not happen. But you know, soul blind and shackled are fucking sick. And I I really wish it it could have happened. And I hope to at some point tour with those bands again. I feel especially bad for like the shackled squad because like they never really tour and like they all have school and jobs and this and that and they were like going through all this effort to like facilitate you know the the jump that is taking on a full u.s tour you know and mm-hmm. unfortunately couldn't come together but you know although time's a strange thing and you know shit sometimes just doesn't happen i i would like to think i, I will get out together in some capacity in the future, whatever it may be. And and I hope that those bands, I, I mean, I know Soulbind Well, that band's like a hundred percent 
like down and about it. And I think trying to go hard when this is all over, but like, uh, I, I hope that shackled, you know, keeps trying to tour once things get back to normal and cause, cause they're no band and it would have been sick to bring them out, but you know, it, it be what it be. There's only so much we can do about that shit, you know? Yeah, but I'm I'm a huge fan of that uh, that tour because I, I I like these annual tours that happen because it gives us something forward to like or something to look forward to knowing that you know oh cool like Summer Fear uh, is coming through we're gonna you know, see see some awesome bands uh, I remember the Life and Death tour used to roll through uh, and mm-hmm. it's just like man dope like, tour yeah so I, I was just like dude like that's such a cool idea because like I, I I don't like at that point I don't feel like there was any like any like annual tours that were happening. Uh, so I, I just always thought that was like a cool idea that, that you guys were doing. And it was just always something fun to look forward to. Yeah. Yo, for, for sure. Definitely shout out to like Anthony from Bane because he was the one that kind of brainchild the tour uh, at its like inception. Um, and I, I, th- I think it kind of fell into my lap to bring the rosters together each year after that initial Bane sanctioned Barry dreams year. Um, uh, just naturally because typecast was involved with every year after. And I kind of handled, um, after a while, James Elizio like booked our tours, but I, him and I always kind of like planned whatever typecast was doing collaboratively. I was always kind of in the driver's seat of like, okay, let's, I'm going to ask this band to do this for this long, these shows. Like I, I, I was kind of in the driver's seat with that shit. Um, so, but definitely shout out to Anthony because he's the one that brainchild summer of fear. And especially early on, we talk about how it's like, yo, if we can just keep this shit going, like this could be like the, like, dark fucked up yearly tour that just like like does like whatever the fuck it wants like it doesn't need to be anything but whatever you want it to be and you know i i like to think we tried our best to make that happen each year and i i hope that it comes back whether whether i'm still involved with kind of constructing lineups and asking bands or not after things change uh with uh with post-covid life i i, I hope the tour continues and uh, frankly i would hope that uh i hope vane eventually plays it again too and just like really just slams a flag in the ground and goes, yo, this is our tour. Cause like end of the day, it's Anthony's idea. He's the OG on it. Man of many ideas. Hell yeah. No, I, I hope it does continue. Cause I, the two years that I went, it was always like something special kids like, you know, showed out and I, I felt like it was definitely, uh, and I felt like you, you could tell that it was like, like a cool lineup every year. And, it was always, and for me, like it was, yeah, that the fact that it came back, it was just something awesome to look forward to. Dude, for sure. For sure. I, I, I would look forward to it as well, as stressful as it was to put together sometimes. Like that second year was like four bands, full US, $100 each turned into a lot of nights where it was like four bands, I'm in Idaho, $50 each. <laughs> like it was, it was, uh, you know, some shows just like didn't do well because like Foreign Hands, that was like, I'm pretty sure their first tour, they were like just coming up. Atonement did like one tour prior and broke up after. That was Typecast's first full US tour. That was Tourniquet's first full US tour. So like, you know, although like people came out to a lot of the shows and, and we had an amazing time, it was such a blast. I look back on that tour so fondly. It was like vacation. Um, you know, it's uh, some tours or excuse me, some shows just did bad because the scope of the tour was fairly small. You know, it was a lot of bands that were just getting rolling or just didn't stick around too long after. Yeah, but the fact that you were able to but, pull it off, I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty cool to look back on. Dude, yeah. And, and, and I routed that shit like in the most inefficient best way possible where like it, and shout out to dylan from my band typecast because he was the one i think who really was like in my ear to like do this but but he was like yo we need like vegas off day we need a day off it's gonna be our first time in california we need to like treat this shit 
like a vacation. And that's what it was. There were just so many days where like, there were so many days off, which is like, after a while, it gets like daunting when you're touring to have so many days off. You're like, we, I just want to get to the next thing. But like that tour was literally like, let's just take a day off and we're going to go swim in a lake or we're going to go hang out in Vegas or we're just going to go get food as an entire tour of people that, you know, prior didn't really know each other and now are like good friends. And it, it was just great. It, it, it was all, all those sentiments of like camaraderie and like the tour experience were all very present in that tour, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. That's wild. And then uh, I'm looking at the flyer for the second one and just, just like seeing some of the places that you guys played. Like uh, you guys played my buddy's house in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin's house. Right. Yeah. That dude, that shit was a blast. That show was awesome. And Dustin is like, I, I love Dustin. I, I've known him for like a really long time. I just think it's crazy to to host something like that. I was like, oh, God. I was like, yeah, it's so wild. I would never want to do that ever. Playing in front of a fish tank type shit in his living room. Like, yeah. dude, that, that shit was so much fun. Dustin's yeah. a, a really good guy. Yeah, dude. I've, I've had nothing but positive experiences with him through the years and just like now touring through Vegas and stuff. He's cool. Yeah, the, dude, he's had some crazy bands in that living room. Like I've seen like Suicide Silence has played to the living room. I saw, dude, that's crazy. Dude, yeah. That's fucked. I saw, uh, <laughs> so badass. I, I saw Cruel Hand in his living room. Like, dude, it's Sick. dude. he's well, yeah, he, he's like crazy but i'm um, awesome so shout out dustin uh shout out yeah. black path and las vegas uh, but man Dude, absolutely uh so there's this crazy story going around like, i think it was like last week uh, uh you know involving chili dogs do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah i, I know what you're talking about <laughs> okay all right all right I, I wanted to make sure. I, I, um how far is that from you very close that is uh 15 minutes from me oh. so I, I i guess i can offer some context to okay, this all right Worth- Worth, worth, worth mentioning i had no involvement with that show however i from like 2016 to now have booked a lot of shows on long island um I, I took it upon myself to do that a lot and the venue that that was at is the main venue i book at mm-hmm. um shakers pub it, it's kind of become a fabled place of lawlessness because they're just a bar that's like down with hardcore and like they just they just they're just happy to have people like in the door supporting the space they don't care what your background is just, you know, come, come drink. So that was a great opportunity for me to book shows there because it'll only be like a hundred dollar down payment. You get back as long as nothing's broken. It's easy to put on. Like it was easier to take tours that were smaller and just needed a show and like help out smaller stuff. So like Scanlon is like the, the guy on Long Island, great friend of mine. He's like the one that like, uh, you know, holds it down and books all the bigger stuff. I kind of took the, the peg down niche, uh, and I booked a lot of shakers, but anyone can book at shakers. Like it, it's not just my spot. I just used it the most I'd say um, over the last couple of years. And uh, yeah. So the, the, the glizzy show, that's kind of where this all leads up to um, shakers held a show um, with a couple of bands, uh, plenty, plenty of people I know played in those bands. Um, uh, I don't know a shit ton of people that went speaking honestly, but you know, I, I, I know, uh, I know some of the people involved. Um, I, I just think it's important and, you know, it's kind of been expressed to death via the internet at this point by, by many, but like, it's, it's important to not, uh, come down too hard on shakers with this, where it's like, they're just like a small business is trying to stay open in this fuck fest of a time we're in. Like they don't, they don't particularly, they're, they're not necessarily like responsible to like, know the, 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 like, uh, 
or or be in touch with the moral intricacies i guess of like doing something like that right now that especially you know get touchy with hardcore like they're just trying to keep their doors open like it's our government's fault that they're you know that they can't even get a loan to hold them down in this time but meanwhile like look at kanye west you got like a five million dollar loan for his quote small business so it's like don't uh, no matter what you feel about this shit i just want to stress like don't come down on shakers they're just trying to stay open like that's just facts so uh, obviously I live in California, so I don't know what's uh, going on currently out there in New York. But uh, like so out here, like bars are you know technically closed, but like they've kind of moved to like these outdoor patio settings, which is like the strangest thing. They just like, you know, set up shop in the parking lot. They'll put up some barricades, throw up a tent and people just just drinking outside. So I'm just like, that's so weird. Uh, are bars like shakers? Are, are they like supposed to be like fully closed or? yeah so so here's here's the deal bars were like fully open on long island like everything was kosher okay uh then uh there was a uh pretty much change in the legality where like you needed to serve food in order to stay open as a bar um or just to serve alcohol at all because people were going to bars without masks pretty much just like doing whatever so bars loophole to this was to serve food but a lot of bars we're serving very uh food that's accessible if you're a bar that doesn't have a kitchen okay. uh and sh- that's that's how we got to the uh the chili dogs and nachos at shaker's pub <laughs> okay. where it's like they don't have a kitchen they I, they're i wasn't there but i can only assume they're like just boiling hot dogs and have a hot pot of chili and are just like yo here you go but uh that that was like the whole that was the bit with the mandatory entry it's like oh you get a hot dog is included in your overarching cost and because you bought that, you're able to drink and you're able to be present in this bar. If you didn't buy the hot dog, you technically legally would not be allowed to be there. So that that's that's the the whole Shakers Pub uh, chili dog conundrum, if you would. Yeah, that, that's so wild. But uh, yeah, it's, I, it's definitely wild. Yeah, I, I <laughs> wild is the word. Because I, I watched the the snippet that that um, I don't know whoever on Twitter um, put it up. I, I forget. Mm-hmm. And. I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, I guess they wanted to do the show. They they made it happen, and I, I saw like a lot of mixed reviews and like the the mentions, like you know, people like like oh, you know, I kind of uh, going down on on the bands playing, like you know, kind of talking trash about the the music quality, and then people were questioning like uh, where are the chili dogs in the video, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is so wild because like it, it, like well, like I said, like I'm out here in California, and there has been secret shows that I, right. I that I haven't attended uh just cuz I I didn't know about it but honestly if I uh did know about it I, I probably wouldn't have gone if I'm being honest uh so it's just like people made the choice to to go to shakers and it's just like you know they're going to have to you know I'm sure some of them like you know walked away were fine maybe some people got sick who knows but I feel like that's sure. just like they're just going to deal with the consequences cuz they made that choice and it's just like uh I I I get that it's controversial but uh it was just weird to see like all the weird different takes on it so, so here, here's my kind of thought with it, I guess. Okay. Um, and, and I haven't really spoken to any of the kids involved and most of which are people I know. So like, I, I don't want to come off like I'm like talking some shit behind anyone's back because I'm not. I, I don't feel as strongly as, as a lot of people do about this situation. Okay. But what was was the show irresponsible? Absolutely. Should there be shows right now? I would say a hard no. There just shouldn't be. Um. But there in New York, you people are doing way worse right now. People are going to bars and droves, getting a bag of chips to, you know, satisfy that legal technicality and, you know, being way more unsafe than a lot of the people involved with this show are like 
I, I get why it's so outrageous from like a viral perspective. Um, and I get that's why I had the coverage did, but like in reality, it's not that different from what's going on in a day to day in a non hardcore related setting in New York right now. Um, the, my only thoughts on it, and this isn't necessarily people involved fault. And I think there's a lot that isn't properly shown in that video um, in terms of like social distancing or like how, you know, this was all handled, who had masks, who didn't. Um, because you the, the shakers is like a double-sided place there's like a left room and a right room mm-hmm. and you only saw the left room the the room with the pit and the bands um but personally speaking my only my only grievance is that like i think doing something like this inevitably was going to be quote what um i don't want to say viral but like but like doing something like that under those circumstances because of like the chili dog bit was inevitably going to get some traction like there was a, a face wreck shattered realm show that happened secretly in Pennsylvania. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, some people hate it, but it ultimately ultimately was didn't really bother people that much. You know, it just was what it was. It was people making conscious choices to do what they'll do. This show obviously is a little more outrageous, but my only personal perspective from like a person who books shows on Long Island um, is that this definitely needed to be a model example uh, thing to do. And this was not handled uh, at like a model example level. Like as ridiculous as it sounds, I think everyone who was playing should have worn a mask. I think everyone who was in that room moshing should have worn a mask. I think the kids singing sets should have worn a mask Um, because not who knows how much that would have helped. But I think it sets off a better. uh, It puts out a better message in the air. Like you care enough to be uncomfortable while you're doing this. Um, despite doing the show that's that's personally how i feel like if you're going to do something like that i think you need to go above and beyond to compensate for how uh how controversial it is at a time right now like like, a time like this um and hey no hate that people did otherwise like again i'm not trying to like talk some fucking public shit or anything that's not how i feel about the issue i'm just saying like in order for that i i think it would have been a different situation despite the glizzies if it was if everyone set like a model example and said, yo, we're doing this in a way that is uh, so sensitive to the time that like, however you feel about it, you can at least acknowledge that. Um, but it didn't necessarily go that way. My, uh, my other thought is like, again, this is like the, the, I guess, devil's advocate, other Corona side is like, here's a fact about Long Island. Basically everybody loses their parents. It is so fucking expensive out here. It is crazy. It is pe- people think it's hard living on their own in general it is that's facts but it's especially hard here like my my, my friend pays like 1500 for a fucking one bedroom apartment you know so it's, it's expensive man homes here are like six hundred thousand dollars for like a two-story home a one-story home is like four hundred thousand it's expensive property tax is crazy the cost of living is through the fucking roof you end up typically the way it goes and and there's a point to this rant so bear with me but typically the way it goes is you either move out to the city if you're a young person who wants to live on their own or you move somewhere totally different or when you move totally different, somewhere totally different, you come back as a adult who's ready to settle down. You buy a house on Long Island. That's like, that's the cycle. That's the way it goes. Um, because it's so expensive here. It's hard to be a self-sufficient young adult on Long Island. So the reality is basically almost everyone I can say with confidence at that show lives at their parents' house. And that's why that show is more controversial where it's like, Yo, if you go to that show and you don't wear a mask and you don't do the right things you need to do, 
Whether your parents care or not, you are potentially putting the people you live with every day at risk. I think there's something something to be said for people who live on their own, hold themselves down, hold down their own, their own bills. They can make certain decisions, but like, I think it's important. However, your family feels is a, a different issue, but like, it's important to remember that where we live, we are typically under our parents' roof, and uh, there are people that, whether it be them or people they encounter, who could potentially be at serious risk with the uh, coronavirus stuff that you need to account for. That's that's my only grievance with that show. It's like. Let's let's have the perspective to remember where we live and the lifestyles we lead. Like it's that type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I I definitely get that vibe. Um, but if I'm being honest, I I I did a road trip. Like a, I think maybe two months ago at this point, did a road trip to to Texas, and we went and got breakfast and it was like such a weird thing because we're like oh my god we're gonna go sit down in a restaurant for the first Mm -hmm. time like since before covid so we went and sat down and the customers weren't required to wear masks but the employees you know um before they they clocked in they were getting temperature temperature checked and everybody had a mask on face shields and that was such a turnoff to me i was like i don't want to be around like this if like if yeah. like there's like this weird wall like okay like like the customers aren't required but like the employees are and like I, i'm like they look like just like you know like they're trying to do some sort of weird surgery or they're they're killers and just like it just was like kind of uncomfortable yeah, to me yeah. and i'm just like i was like i don't want to like i was like i like in my mind i'm like i don't want to do this until we can do it without having to be so cautious you know that that's how i i feel similar to that you okay. know um like i i recently went to a diner and ate inside for the first time in seven months um and even that like stressed me the fuck out because like i said i live with my parents as mm. a full-blown adult it's just a normal thing out here related to that cost of living so it's like me getting fucking pancakes could potentially you know affect my parents in ways i don't even want to fucking think about that's just not right yeah. like i, I don't want to fake it like things are okay i've been chilling i've been seeing my friends i've been out doing shit more um i, th- I think there's like a natural exhaustion with the situation where you just gotta like to some degree say fuck it and just try and be safe and do things that are good for your own headspace but like you, you still got to be centered in reality even if you're taking more risks and you're doing things that are uh I guess, uh, you know, a little that are not simply just staying home. Like you, you still need to be mindful of people around you and people you may affect, but I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think, I think there's a degree of just faking it. That's stupid. It's like, do, do, what is, are things actually fine? Or are we just trying to front like they are for the sake of our own mental? I, I, I don't think, I don't think that shit's okay. And I think shows are like the number one example of that. Where like, there are creative ways to do it right now, whether it be like drive in or, this or that distanced uh, way that other places in the country are trying to handle live entertainment. But um, I think for local hardcore shows, things that are community based and in a genre that has a hard focus on like morality and right and wrong. It, it now is just not the time. I think there's ways that you could potentially approach it. And again, I'm not hating everyone can just do whatever the hell they want, especially if they pay their own rent and don't live with their parents. But I'm just speaking on the, the culture we come from, you know, the, the backgrounds we come from and the, the lives we all live on Long Island. For sure. Sometimes when I'm out in public and I just see people like not wearing their face mask properly 
and I was like, oh, I was like, we're never going to beat this. These people are so yeah, stupid. <laughs> These people are so we're stupid. Fucked, yeah. It's so scary. We're, we're, I'm like, we're I'm like, fucked till a vaccine. It's so bad. Yeah. Cause I, I like look at these and they're like older, like, you know, probably in their like late forties. Uh, maybe I'm just like, you know, uh, aging them like you know, improperly, but whatever. But I'm just like, I, I look at these other people. I'm just like, how can they be more dumb than me? And I'm just like, it, it just blows my mind. And like, I, I'm just Dude, like, yeah, I, I just, they're the average demographic. They're the people we're, we're out here trying to be mindful of, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And it's just like so strange, but uh, yeah, I, I'm dying uh, to not, well, I'm not, well, I guess technically I kind of am dying every day, but I, I just yeah, wish sure. for COVID to, 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 to be gone. Like I, I, I hate, and I feel so like jealous when I read these articles about like New Zealand, hundred days, like no new cases. And it's just like reading about like what you, they yeah. did. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's just so weird. And I hate that. I, 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 Go ahead. I see like glo- globally through like, you know, friends and stuff that I just know through hardcore or whatever. Like, you know, I, I see inklings of like shows starting to come back at small scale in certain places. And the reality is in those places, that's totally okay because they've suppressed the virus. They, they practice all these, uh, all these things that we in America just seem to have an, uh, seem to outright reject whether it be socially distancing masks testing like our our country is just fucking stupid and we 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 uh we love doing the wrong thing it's just how we work innately in so many ways like the the list of ways america is fucked obviously uh is tremendous um but you know like you you think about where these shows have either happened or might happen soon or are getting geared up to be it's like yo it's totally fine that they're doing that because where they are the virus is all but gone but here it runs rampant, unchecked. It's it's fucking miserable, man. I, I appreciate being in the Northeast right now because I will say, like, uh, do I feel safe all the time? Absolutely not. But it, it's for sure a little better up here than other places. It's it's, it's a little more controlled. Yeah, I uh, during this I, I had on Kyle from the fight. And he was telling me how how close he was to like the like the center of everything in New York, and uh, yeah, that had me worried for him. I'm like, damn, dude, like you gotta stay safe because like you're so close to it. Living out there in the city is just just scary to think about. Dude, absolutely, I love Kyle. Literally one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Like unbelievable, like just objectively good person with a good good head on his shoulders. But yeah, I, I definitely was worried for all my friends living in the city at the start of this because they were. They were at the epicenter, you know, they were they were at the place where this ran rampant and unchecked for like two months. Um, and now we as New Yorkers can enjoy the spoils uh, of getting to re- not relax, but like make some normal choices for a little bit. But but I, I definitely worry for friends around the country because I, I know, although for a lot of people, they're just getting by and living with it and still doing whatever they, they want and can for the sake of their own mental. It's it's definitely it's scary in some places, man, like Georgia. Florida, those places are literally fucking horrifying to think about. I think about those states and and get like fucking anxious. It's it's insane, like yeah. how fucked they are. Yeah, I I think about the friends that I have in Florida and like how like it's just like it's just kind of seems like it's like just like the wild west out there. They're just kind of doing whatever, and it's just yeah, they're just doing. If you get it, you get it. Be what it be. Move on, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and hey, like I said, like Florida and Georgia are cheaper. Like if you're not 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 saying this means you shouldn't give a shit about covid but if you're solo in it you live by yourself or with a small group of people you're holding your own rent and bills down like who am i to judge i i can't i can't uh check other people's lifestyles that'd be unfair of me um but it it definitely uh it's still scary down there even if you have no one to in your immediate circle to infect or no one in your immediate circle that's at risk if you would you know 
So what do you think happens first? Do you think we defeat COVID or do the aliens show up? Dude, that's a hard question. At, at this point, I I hope defeat COVID, but it might fucking be the aliens, man. Like that, that it wouldn't it wouldn't blow my mind if that happened sooner than a COVID vaccine. I, I think a COVID vaccine is around the corner. In uh, I, I say that with reservations. Like I think it's a mm-hmm. uh, a feasible thing that will come, but it, like I I mean that short term in terms of like the relative short term, not like I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and see a vaccine. I, I think it'll be well into next year, if not later. Yeah, so I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. I I listen to his podcast like all the time, every episode. Great podcast, and for sure, he was uh, his his last episode with like Rob Below. They're talking about how at the White House they have this test where they get the results in 20 minutes, and I'm like, oh, that's something that you know they should uh, slowly you know kind of spread across the United States so we can try to figure out. Uh, and you know, be able to regulate things better because getting tested and not being able to af- afford the like the um, the higher tier one where you can get your results back faster and having to wait, you know, six to ten business days. It's just like, like, what do you do? Like, you get tested and you have to wait six to ten business days to figure out if you have it or not. Like, that, that's, dude, yeah, I've I've had two scares among friends. I had one friend that tested positive, but we ultimately think he was either asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. or just didn't have it at all because he tested positive we all freaked out and then he it, it's actually I, I won't say that okay. I, not that it matters but uh but ultimate point is that he he had it um or he tested positive and then mm-hmm. tested negative two days later but we all still it was like our first scare with it we all ultimately still like quarantined until we got negative test times two um you know we we tried to play it safe and then we also just had another scare recently where a friend had a fever and we went in the pool with him and shit. Oh, but that's, like that's crazy. He he didn't have it, and no one got sick, and no one in our extended because he didn't tell us until four days later because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, yeah. Okay. But but we we all carried on, mm-hmm. you know, lived our lives, but none of us got sick. No one in our extended parties got sick, and he got a negative test result back. So it was ultimately fine. But it's like the 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 way I've been playing it is just if if there's a reason to be concerned, just try and play it safe for a little bit. You know, stay home, do the do the shit you're supposed to do, and you know, if you get some negatives back and get it in a timely manner, you know, you're you're good. You you hope. Obviously, there's margins of error for all this shit, but when you're living in a society that's just telling you to live with it, uh, you, you have to just disregard those margins of error a little more than you would in in a than than say like in march you know at a, at a time where it's like you are playing this shit to the book no questions asked you are you are being as safe as literally possible like things have shifted up a little bit yeah whether I, we like it or not yeah and i i definitely respect the 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 people who are being super cautious about it because like, i have friends uh who i haven't seen since before this thing like I, i've literally seen the same four friends during this whole thing just because uh I don't know. Uh, I, I guess we all kind of have like the same mindset about it. Like we're all like, you mm-hmm. know, generally uh, as careful as we can be. Uh, we're not like wearing gloves or anything weird like that. But yeah, dude, uh, that shit's weird. Yeah. That, and also proven pretty much ineffective in terms of like a patron's perspective. Versus, yeah. You know, like not not talking about like medical professionals or people working jobs, I guess. I'm just saying like as if I walk into a 7-Eleven with gloves on, I'm I'm not doing much any, I'm not really doing any good for myself there. Like if it's in the air, it's in the air. I'm fucked if I'm not wearing a mask. That's just what it is. Yeah. So like gloves aren't stopping an airborne illness. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But uh, yeah, so like it was just like the the same four friends 
and uh you know that's like the the, the close friends and it's just like the, the people that i you know, generally always see but it's, it's not like i'm uh, reaching out to like you know all my friends being hey like i haven't seen it a bit like let's get together it's just like no nah, like we're all kind of just like you know it's like this weird like uh like we're we're in agreement like yeah we're all just gonna kind of wait till this thing is gone and then we're gonna start doing stuff you know yeah yeah no i know what you mean i i i, I would say my situation's similar but i'll also admit it it it, it's kind of shifted beyond that at first I, I was just with like my close that mm-hmm. close friend group i keep pointing to um but you know I've, I've, I've been out and about a little more than i previously was now and and i think that's in part to the uh the numbers in new york being so consistently contained and you know like i'm not saying it doesn't mean i'm fucking untouchable but you know i've, I've been able to do things like go to a beach with some friends and the group is frankly on the larger side and, and not be a fucking anxious mess about it if, if you presented that situation to me four months ago I, I would have just said that's never happening in my life again period the end you know mm-hmm. like i was at a friend's house a couple nights ago and there was like a you know allotment of people i don't usually see there and we were in the pool and stuff and i i, I wasn't stressing too bad you know because there's statistics and metrics that that let me approach things like that with a, a little more peace of mind right now in terms of new york um, but that's not to say I wouldn't also radically shift up my lifestyle if those metrics that I'm going up against uh, varied, you know, like if things were way worse, I wouldn't be acting how I'm acting, but things are ultimately on the safer side in New York right now. And that doesn't mean I still don't do the right thing. It just means I, I can I can take a couple more liberties. I can choose to if I if I really so feel, I think. And you assume that the people showing up to these things are feeling fine, unlike that one friend from the pool exactly yes yeah. yes precisely yeah. uh we, we can assume assume that and obviously that that doesn't disregard or bypass asymptomatic transfer mm-hmm. like obviously that's uh, a thing um but uh assuming no one's showing symptoms the uh the virus is in okay terms in new york like new york's a huge state yeah like uh L- long island and the city are just a fraction of what is a massive massive state like if i was to drive from here to buffalo uh it's eight hours and change and that entire state uh is is like usually like i i think lately it's been like five or six hundred cases a day and when you think about the actual scope of how large our state is that's virtually nothing like there are so many fucking people here like five six hundred sounds like a lot but then you punch that against like how massive this fucking space is like like it's not it's not regularly encountable in your communities it totally could be there like that's where you're gonna get fucked up if you if you disregard that possibility. It's absolutely possible. There's people I know locally who are still getting it here or there. Um, but I, I think it, I think if you are dealing with young people who are doing the right thing, and that's not to say everyone is. I'm sure I've encountered people who aren't. Um, you you can have a little more peace of mind. That's all. I'm I'm, I'm not. I, I want to make it known. I'm not encouraging you know being fucking stupid. But I, I I'd like to think uh, a, a lot of the people around me are doing the right thing. For the most part, for sure, and I, I felt like I've gone like through waves of it where I was like, "Man, I just want to get it already, just kind of get it over with." But then, like, yeah, I've thought that too. Yeah, and then I, I, I like wake up every day. I'm like, "It's today of the day." I like chew gum just to you know test my taste buds. <laughs> yeah, just stupid mm. little things like that. I'm like, "All right, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm good." I, I, I haven't. There, there's this, there's this fucked up joke that's been going around my, my friends recently that I will share here just because okay. it's so funny. I'm down. Uh, related yeah. to that that one friend, um, who had coronavirus or didn't excuse me didn't have coronavirus but had the fever um and and, uh he he didn't even tell us directly he tweeted 
he tweeted four days later he tweeted some shit like he was like ah i've been feeling so sick this week i have a fever and stomach pains i haven't been able to work out i'm feeling fat this sucks and and we've all since then have just been like yeah man had a great day today i haven't been able to really taste or smell anything but like i really enjoyed my time with you guys i'm having a blast like i just have a fever it's kind of fucking me up (laughs) it's just like that's been like the 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 joke of the of the hour on every hour since he did the since he tweeted that shit. It's just we we haven't let it go because it's like that was the way he looked at his fever. He was like nonchalant, man. I'm just feeling so bad lately. Like, oh man. <laughs> was he like embarrassed to tell you guys? And that oh, like his- yeah. Well, I I don't think it was that. Uh, I I mean I don't. Frankly, I, I he he hasn't been able to properly explain what it was. I think okay. he's but he feels insanely bad about mm-hmm. it. Like he's not he's not that dumb where he's like yeah i don't care he feels insanely remorseful um but it's like at the same time i i have no problem roasting his ass on this podcast because he's an idiot that's for doing that that's funny (laughs) you know like yeah and and, uh, you know thankfully he he didn't have and you guys were able to just like look back and you know make fun of him for it but that's yeah that's crazy i'm thankful we can laugh about it and Mm. make that shitty joke you know like at at least we can laugh um and, and not be stressed but Okay. That, that is the other thing. There are illnesses aside from COVID right now. Not to say that does not mean do not fear coronavirus. It's just remember that you can also just be sick in the same ways that you can be sick in general. I'm not saying that has anything like take that statement as a separate thing to coronavirus. I'm not saying disregard any coronavirus symptoms, get tested, take advantage of your testing, social distance, wear a mask, do all the right things. But for from a personal anxiety standpoint, just remember that it is absolutely possible to just be sick in other ways right now too. Those illnesses don't go away. Yeah. And if you wear your mask, cover your stupid nose, please. Yeah. Straight up. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. So want to switch gears. I, I, I was always curious because you, you mentioned vain, uh, but I, I'm not sure how you linked up with them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that, that's, that's some awesome shit. Um, in terms of just like art friendships and stuff like, uh, so, so the big connect, uh, I think, with Vane was separated, which is a Long Island band, and that includes you know a bunch of people who I love dearly. Um, Nick Herman, drummer, separated one of the, one of the best drummers. Period. The end. Plays a band called On Fourth right now. Respective On Fourth. Um, David sings in Sanction. Mike's in Sanction. It's uh, you know, but that that band pretty much went on um, to split off into other things. But at the time, they did like a two week tour with Vane summer 2016 and we all had been seeing Vane after they put that like some some people have a deeper history like Vane had like a hudson valley new york connect like 2013 like they were like og as fuck about it long island and Vane kind of linked up i'd say 2016 like we were like seeing Vane in like connecticut seeing Vane in hudson valley we'd all like roll out to each other's shows there was a strong massachusetts long island connecticut connect that like really formed in 2016 i'd say um and, and a lot of that is uh, connected to that vein separated tour which i didn't go on but i was asked to go on through separated by i ended up saying no um because of that diner job i was talking about that i quit two years later okay um we'll get there but right. basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that okay but um but basically vein separated do that tour um i i think i met matt and anthony the night of that separated uh show at shakers um well it was like the separated record release for their ep and vein played it and that was like the tour kickoff and the tour ended and then everyone goes home. They're mad tight. They built this like camaraderie and uh, Anthony comes to Long Island to like hang out probably like two weeks later. Um, and Mike hit me up to just like come hang out um, that same night. 
and we were like chilling in a town by me called Port Jeff. It was like right at the peak of Pokemon Go being hot. It was like right. It was that summer. Okay. And um, you know, me me and uh, I went to chill with all of them, and be, me and Anthony kind of hit it off, and we were just like that was like the first time we really like got down to like hanging out as friends, and um, we were we were all chilling, um, and yeah, in, in coming months, it was just like I, me and all all of our friends would just like roll out for each other. Like there was that, that like whole wave of Massachusetts, Connecticut, Long Island bands separated, sanctioned, forced out, buried dreams, like Bane, like, like all extensions of that, um, zero hour, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all extensions of that would like meet in the middle and play like the wild mic in Connecticut and uh, laid to rest, like all that shit. Like it was all, it was all centered in like, linking up in Hudson Valley, link up in Connecticut. If there was a good ass show in Massachusetts, let's go up. If there's a good ass show on Long Island, they come down. We're just always playing each other's, uh, each other's shows and stuff. And, uh, that's how those friendships kind of came to be and came to develop. Um, and, uh, at, at the time, like Dylan who sings in typecast was like, uh, he's like the OG, like vain road dog. And he would like go on tour with them for their like early stuff. And Sean who played drums in typecast used to play bass in vain that long ago. So that's how I met both of them too. Was like I'd go, we'd all link up at like shows of the Womleg or on Long Island, and we'd all just show out for each other. And uh, that's just kind of how all those bonds kind of formed. And I went on to eventually like just uh, do a weekend with them. Lumpy from Sanction was kind of like their their merch guy slash TM for a minute. Like he held that down. Um, and you know, I I would go on tours with all of them like that first summer of Fear tour and stuff. And I'd go on weekends with them. Like we'd we'd all you know, support it whatever ways we can. And then eventually it just got to a point where I was touring with them more and more. And Lumpy had kind of phased out because he was taking sanction full time. And I just kind of got, got in that spot and stayed um, because the, the friendships were there. It was like, these, these are people that two years prior were strangers. And now are to this day, fucking brothers to me, people I do literally anything for. Um, So that, that, that's kind of how that all came to be. It was just a lot of like regional, like regional touring uh short-term touring a week two weeks go out do this like uh it, just small-term road dogging that just kind of as things scaled up with vein and all of our respective friends bands and stuff i i just happened to be present for which was sick oh yeah i i love that uh you know just you guys kind of just coming together and just supporting each other and uh, the the fact that you guys are like willing to travel you know, to you know respective states and support each other i i just love that i, I think it's really awesome and and important you know for you guys to show that you guys are actually really down for each other and it's not just some weird internet stuff you know for sure for sure a good way to like deem it comparable because like geographically it's like the same thing like massachusetts to long island and everything in between is kind of like the same shit as like going from like la to the bay area mm-hmm. and like you i'm as you know you're from there you know all that camaraderie that exists amongst those scenes especially right now with all, all the bands that have kind of come up it was the same exact deal with like long island connecticut mass a couple years ago it was just like we were all just riding for each other's bands going hard drive four hours mosh hard for someone's band at some random show and then come home the same night um which eventually turned to touring and so on and so forth um and uh yeah it's just it's it's it's, it's sick man i wouldn't have typecast wouldn't exist if i didn't meet sean and dylan through vain um we, we've all gotten to do some really fucking cool shit together and i, I got a lot of love for inevitably there's like times where like you don't talk as much with some people you know from those places and those scenes especially with the coronavirus stuff but like i, I just have endless love for like 
Connecticut and mass hardcore. And especially, especially then, like I was in Massachusetts so much. I was like dating a girl who's up there. I was chilling with Sean and Dylan. We started typecast. Like there was just so much of my life for like two years that was spent in the state of Massachusetts. And even for people I'm a little more disconnected to these days, I just have endless love for all the people that would apply to all the stuff I just mentioned. Okay. So you're working the diner, but you said you're on tour and how did you kind of get put in the position where you had to quit the job? Um, so I had a one week typecast tour lined up that I was, uh, slated to fly home. So the way I laid it out, I went on the vein harm's way, Queens way, ringway, uh, ring ray, <laughs> way, uh, ringworm tour that happened two years ago. Okay. That was uh, like March of 2018. And I was literally on a drive in Tennessee and I planned it out where I, I, I go with Vane on this tour, the first like week and a half of it. And then I fly home, have a couple of days, work a couple of shifts. And then I go on this typecast tour. Um, and we were on an overnight drive and uh, Anthony just has uh, the singer of Vane. He just has like the best fucking mindsets about everything, man. And he, he you know, like he can convince you to do something like, irresponsible in like the best way possible. And that's what that moment was. He was like, yo, like just don't go back, quit the diner. Like you could be on this tour for like seven more days and we can keep hanging out. We're all having fun. Fuck that shit. And like, you know, if, if someone else in a different setting said that to me, I'd probably go, nah, man, I don't know. But in in that moment, it just felt right. And I I texted my boss and I was like, Hey, I'm not coming in anymore. I'm not going to, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be here. At this point, I had like a couple of days until those shifts. I was like, you're going to have to get them filled. Like, it is what it is. I'm really sorry. And I, I just, you know, I was polite about it, but I just quit outright. And uh, from that point on, that 2018 began the two year span of where I was on tour for 200 days a year. It was fucking awesome. And that the rest of that tour was great. And that was like the first time I really was like truly out and about traveling with all of them beyond. I mean, like, we did like Summer of Fear. And I did like, like I said, like small scale touring and regional stuff. But that was the first time where it was just like us and us, we're running it. We're on the support tour. Let's have fun. And uh, I, it, despite not being on the entire thing, I look back at that tour so fondly. And I, I love all the guys in Harm's Way and I love all the guys in Queen's Way. And I don't know, man, it was just a really fucking great time. That's a lot of days away from being at home. Damn, 200 days. It, it, do you ever like like your, your mental when you're gone for that long, do you ever like get homesick or does it like destroy your relationships back home or like um, how has like touring affected your life? Because that's a significant amount of time to be away from home. For, for sure. For sure. Um, so it definitely, don't get me wrong. It definitely has an effect. Like there've been times where I've, I've been shaking in the mental, especially with typecast where like typecast would tour full time too. Um, it was tricky because I'd be on a vein tour and then I have a typecast tour that immediately follows. And in that time, I'm trying to find just a week to like say what's good to my parents and my best friends back home who I'm missing. And, you know, I'm missing shows that matter to me at home that I otherwise would, you know, be doing backflips to, to be at. Um, and and it, it is hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard because it most certainly is. And I think anyone who's ever toured to that extent knows it to be hard. Um, and like I said, it's, it's like I said earlier in the podcast, shit changes in life all the time. Um, but at, at, at that point and to this point, to this day, and this is why I hope all this coronavirus stuff really does blow over, man. I, I feel like I found, uh, my favorite thing in life touring. Like I, there, it, despite how hard it can be maintaining relationships at home, um, you know, 
before it was a, a job in terms of doing the vein stuff, because I do, I do get paid a little doing that enough where I can, you know, hold myself down here and there. Um, before it was like at a job level at all. Um, I was like getting money aside just to make sure I could do it. Work fucking Uber when you're home, DoorDash, do whatever, just get money together, odd jobs. Like, um, it's hard. It is a hundred percent factually hard to maintain, um, and maintain your relationships at home. But me, like I said, me and that OG squad were tight as fuck. Like that, that's, those are lifelong friends. I will never, I will never lose that link with them no matter how much I tour. Um, and, and, and like I said, like touring is just my fucking favorite thing. And if, if I, I'm at a point in my life where I, I need to figure a couple things out pertaining to it. Like I really would like to transition off and do more tour managing stuff and, and, and like do more, and not even necessarily with hardcore, just do more of that quote work with the, with that shit. I would love to make that my job at some point or another. But for now it's like, I, I don't pay too much mind to all those timelines that are just, you know, cemented by the society that continues to fuck us over all the time. Like, I, I don't care. I, I, I'm only 24, man. I'm no matter what happens, I'm just having a blast running it and just fucking seeing the world with my brothers. And it doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter where we land off. Doesn't matter if I just get a blue collar job at 28 and, you know, shift off into something else, whether I'm torn forever or torn for now, I just, I'm having a great time doing it. And I, I don't want that to stop anytime soon. We can figure the rest out later, you know, to- touring is the shit. Hell yeah. I love that mindset. And, you know, I'm a, a little older than you and I definitely passed up on some opportunities. So I, I'm stoked to hear, you know, you guys out there with like, you know, that awesome mindset and uh, just willing to kind of just let the chips fall where they may and just kind of trying to just enjoy everything in the moment. Because uh, it, it is weird when, when you think about our society and, you know, uh, like my, my family, I mean, you get a little personal here. My family looks at of me uh, and they're they just uh, they're like worried about me because I'm like the only kid of the family that doesn't have like a, a, a family. I'm the only one who's moved away like everybody else. uh uh, you know, stayed back home, which is fine. Like it, it's uh, you know beautiful out there in Palm Springs, but for me, I, I just had to get out of town. But um, they're they're like always concerned because it's just like yeah, like I, I don't have like you know what like I'm supposed to by this age, you know, quote unquote, because of yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So those it, those loose guidelines yeah. set in place, you know, through your schooling, through just outside things you hear from others, your family. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some merit to that. Like, there's depending on what you're doing, there's some point where it's like you just need to be responsible for yourself and like handle your life and and in whatever ways but it's like i i think a lot of those timelines are cemented in place by the same systems that we just uh more and more are vocally rejecting now you know like i i don't i don't think and, and this this doesn't just pertain to touring i i just i don't think someone's a fucking loser if they don't have their shit figured out at 26 life is fucking short but life is also long you can you can make your shit work as long as you're just trying to live a fulfilling life in whatever context that is to you that's literally all that matters like that's it that's the start and end right there just live in a meaningful way to yourself that's all that matters 100 i i definitely uh, agree with that i love that sentiment man but yeah th- th- this is seriously been so awesome joey this is this has uh, been like a, r- a really fun conversation and i yeah dude 100 yeah and I, I i appreciate you reaching out uh i you know i I that means the world to me like uh, you know just like before we talked I uh, you know we didn't know each other at all and so for you to you know take that step and reach out and dude like 
it, it just blows my mind that people and, and this is like you know because like i have no ego i, I do this just because i love hardcore and i just want to try to give something back so when uh, people like you reach out to me it, it just like makes me like so happy and uh, you know I, I appreciate it so much so seriously thank you dude yeah of course thank you for having me on and, and, and like i said like it, it pertains to everything you just said it's like you you do an awesome thing especially right now where there is a time where there's no show that's like you have a diverse set of people that are just regularly coming on at clockworks pace that you can just hear from. And if you're at all involved in hardcore, like you're going to know at least a couple of these names, you're going to know at least of the pe- some of the people that you're having on all the time. And it's fucking sick to hear from so many different people's perspective on what they've done, what they're up to. Like you, you do a great job with that shit, man. It's sick. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate that. But before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, uh, typecast we have no immediate plans right now but we're gonna ultimately the goal is to work on some new music at some point or another same with soul provider koyo just uh keep on the lookout for all things with that because stuff will happen and uh just mad love to all the people who have ever done me right in life there's a lot of people i give a serious fuck about and uh if you happen to be listening to this and you think that means you sorry if i haven't been in touch as much i, I do still fucking care a fuck ton about you i care about a lot of people I just don't, uh, I'm bad at answering my phone, but I really give an insane fuck about a lot of people in my life. And that's about all I got. All right. Well, seriously, thank you, Joey. This has been so awesome. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I love Long Island Hardcore, and this has been another episode of the Jamer K Podcast, Always on Top. <laughs> <laughs>